Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yo, what's up? What's good? What's going on? Cyclone Nation, Chris Williams here with the new little uh, special edition installment of the podcast here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. As always, if you like what we do, please give us a five-star rating. Don't leave us a one-star rating because that would be really rude. Five-star ratings are great. Tell us what you like about the podcast. Appreciate that. Today's podcast brought to you by our Cyclone Fanatic Patreon and Premium members. Do you want to be a Cyclone Insider? Sign up for the Premium Message Board. All sorts of great conversation constantly going on. Or you can get a lot of that content that I produce straight to your email by being a Patreon member. Check all of those out. The options are at CycloneFanatic.com. Today's guest is an up-and-comer in the coaching ranks, a really good dude and an integral member of Matt Campbell's staff at Iowa State. His name is Nate Shieldhouse. He's the running backs coach, the wide receivers coach. He is the running game coordinator, integral in the recruiting process for Iowa State as well. Of course, Nate had a uh, fantastic career as a quarterback playing for the Illini of Illinois. Really good dude. Uh, We're getting to know him a little bit more. In this podcast, some of his thoughts on coaching some of the greatest players in the history of Iowa State, the running back position, of course, and what's to come in the post Brees Hall era. Hope you guys enjoy my latest assistant coach conversation with Nate Shieldhouse. Enjoy. First of all, thanks for coming on. This is great. I've wanted to interview you for a long time, but man, like you kind of, uh, uh, the, the COVID thing just kind of screwed everything up. I feel like I haven't seen any of you guys in person in like two years, but first of all, um, thanks for coming on. How you doing, man? I'm good. Yeah. I'm uh, appreciative of you having me on and, and you're right. COVID kind of threw a wrench into everybody's schedule one way or another. So it's, it's good to be able to do this. How, um, First of all, I want people to get to know you a little bit more than just, uh, oh, he's the guy that, that coaches the wide receivers and 
and running backs. How tell tell the tell the listeners, tell the Iowa State fans out there just a little bit about like you and your family. And I know you got a little boy growing up. Uh, let, let's get to know you a little bit, man. Yeah, so I do. I, I do have a family. Um, my wife Morgan is actually my high school sweetheart. Uh, we got married. Look at you, this, a boy. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's uh, it's going to be nine years uh, this summer. So uh, we've been together a, a while. Obviously, met each other in high school. Um, you know, she's from Kansas City. I'm from Kansas City, and uh, yeah, we've got a five year old boy. And a little girl on the way due this summer. So it's it's exciting times in our house. And, and you know, that's that's the family side of things. Um, obviously, I, I grew up not too far from here down in, in Kansas City. I was actually born in Iowa, in Davenport. Um, really? I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah. My, my mom's actually from the uh, western side of the state, just outside Sioux City, in a town called Mobile, Iowa. And you know, have a lot of, I feel like different roots and, and stuff throughout this state and, and obviously throughout this region. So um, it's been awesome. Obviously being here at Iowa state, I feel like we, we were just saying, um, gosh, this, this last week, my wife and I, that, you know, this is the, the house that we've been in together the longest, um, you know, obviously going in on, on year five now, and it, it's been an awesome uh, journey and, and time here in Ames. Well, um, so you, gr- if you grew up in Kansas city, I'm, I'm interested. Did, did you were you- Kansas city is a weird town when it comes to college sports. Cause there's like, there's some Jayhawk fans. There used to be a lot of Missouri fans. I feel like the sec, I, I, I don't know. Like I'm going off of basketball when we go down there. So that might no, be you're right. fair. You're right. Um, Kansas state, like who did you have like a team, like a college team growing up? You know, not really. And you're right. Kansas City, you know, everybody is kind of tied to their different teams and, and split up in a number of different ways. Um, I, don't, I don't feel like there was one school that I grew up thinking about, uh, yeah. but obviously it's a, it's a great town uh, for sports and, and for following college sports, especially because you do, you get a bunch of those. And again, it was better in the, in the old big 12 with, with Missouri being included. You had a bunch of those different rivalries mm-hmm. and border wars and, and all those different things that, you know, I for sure paid attention to growing up, um, you know, but, but again, at, at the same time, it, it's a, it's a good region for sports. You know, we, we benefit obviously of being here in Ames. It's, it's the same thing that people really care about what's going on at the college level. And, um, you know, it makes that awesome. How, okay. So walk me through before we get to your coaching career, you obviously had a great quarterbacking career at Illinois. Most people already know that about you. What, what, got you to champagne i i have no idea like what kind of a recruit you were how many offers you had how did you end up at illinois yeah you know i uh going back i went to a really really good high school in kansas city i went to a a school called rockers high school and you know at the time it, it was one of the perennial powers in the the area um tons of state championships tons of success we had a a longtime head coach um who was a huge influence on me, not only as a player, but, but obviously as a person. And, um, you know, it, it was a school that honestly got a lot of attention as far as, mm-hmm. you know, recruitment and, and man, if you went there and you were a good player, you were going to get found. And, um, so I had some, some opportunities coming out of high school, uh, and, and really what, what stood out about Illinois, um, you know, I, I wanted to go and play and, and I wanted to go and be on the field and, um, I, I actually played a few different positions in, in high school, um, but, but landed at, at quarterback my, my last two years. Um, 
but I wanted to go play in quarter, quarterback in, in college and felt like Illinois was a program that, number one, it had an offense that that fit me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I watched, there was a guy named Juice Williams that was oh, a quarterback yeah. at the time. And I felt like, yeah. that's exactly right. I felt like, man, I can do the stuff that he's doing. Yeah. Um, and Juice was going to be a senior when I was coming in there as a freshman. So I thought, man, if I, I redshirted for, for a year, uh, man, I'd have a chance to go and compete after that. And, um, you know, it, it ended up being a really good fit. You know, all my memories from college football are from being on the field. I got to start four years there. Uh, I got to play a bunch of snaps. Uh, you know, obviously just, just like most guys wish we would have won more games than, than what we did. But, um, at the same time, it, it was a great experience for me. Um, you know, transitioning into college. So you've coached the wide receivers and running backs. You're the running game coordinator at Iowa state. Do you ever find yourself like, keeping an eye on the quarterbacks and wanting to jump in there and be like, Hey, did you, I, I, I don't, how does that work? Cause you're, but you, well, you did a lot of running too at Illinois. So you can clearly know how to run the football, but do you ever, you ever have an itch to coach quarterbacks at some point? Well, we, we, we've got a lot of quarterbacks in our staff room, in our offensive staff room. Um, and if they, they didn't play quarterback, they, you know, they're wannabe quarterbacks. Oh, okay. So we got a lot of those too. Um, but <laughs> no, I, I think, man, there's, there's obviously plenty going on. Uh, we, we all talk about, I feel like each other's position and just how it fits within our offense a ton. Um, you know, I, I think coach Gordon, I, I feel like I've learned so much from him as a quarterback coach. And uh, I, I think just, man, his attention to detail, his knowledge, uh, you know, I, I honestly, I feel like, man, I wish, I wish I would have had a coach like, like coach Gordon at times, you know, even, you know, even in college, um, just because of, of the way that he coaches that position. So it's, it's been fun, honestly, just to sit there and pick his brain on, on what he thinks and, and what he's teaching and how he's doing it. You really have, have climbed up the coaching ranks at a, at a fast pace. And I'm wondering, because uh, clearly, clearly there's something to that. Did you know, like maybe your junior year at Illinois, like, were you like, yeah, I want to coach someday? Or like, when did that kind of enter your brain? Yeah, I, I was actually not one of those ones who said, man, I'm going to coach and, okay. and this is what I'm going to do. I, you know, my experience was was different in college. You know, I, I said it was great as far as the on the field stuff and getting to play. But, you know, we had a coaching transition yes, uh, after did. my first three years. Our, our head coach got fired. We got a new head coach uh, during my, you know, redshirt plus four years, my five years there. Uh, I actually had four different offensive coordinators and, you know, actually another offensive coordinator that recruited me that left, um, you know, right after the season, right before that's hard. I, I was getting there. So there was a lot of movement, um, you know, not, not only with the, the offensive coordinator, but various positions uh, within our, our football staff at the time. And so it didn't seem like a, a man, that's the place that I want to go. And, and my wife and I got married right before my last year playing. So okay. I sat there and said, man, I don't know if this is the uh, uh, this is the the place that we want to go and and we want to you know dive into coaching at this college football level. And so honestly, my first year out of um, out, out of playing, I went to Louisville, Kentucky and was a high school pastor at a church down there in Louisville. So my wife and I spent our first uh, really about 16 months in Louisville, Kentucky and Somewhere in the middle of that, honestly, um, felt like I really had a change of heart for what I saw coaching as and, and the impact that I thought that you could make in it. And so that's that's really what I guess opened my eyes back into, man, what, what could this coaching look like? And um, was fortunate enough to uh, there was a job that opened up back at un- the University of Illinois and was able to join the staff there and, um, you know, have obviously 
uh, loved and enjoyed it since then. So you're, you're a pastor with high school kids and like, did it just hit you? I want to work with young people, but I also want to be in football. Like I want to like, and you, it just clicked where it's, Oh, I can actually do both. Is that what I'm following? Yeah, honestly, I can take you to the moment that, that like it, it did, it truly did click for me. You know, I, I knew I wanted to impact the next generation of young men and, I thought the best way to do that was as a high school pastor. Um, and so I was actually helping at a, a couple of different high schools as their football chaplain. And um, the truth is, I, I remember one time I was given a message uh, to one of the football teams and, uh, you know, I felt like it was it was good and I was prepared for it. And it was, man, if I was a high school kid sitting there, this is what I would grab onto. And honestly, it was I had mild attention at best. Okay. And the head football coach got up there and boom, like the whole room was locked in and hanging on every word that he had to say. And, and honestly, I felt like in that moment, I really saw that the impact that, that a coach could truly have. And that, especially if you got something, you know, worth, worth, worth saying, worth thinking about um, that, that a high school student or, or a college student could, could sit there and, and would resonate with them that um, maybe you could make a huge impact. And so that's really where that, that change started to happen. Um, you know, I, I guess, again, I saw coaching for, I think what it truly is and what it's truly meant to be versus maybe what my experience was like in college. Yeah. It seems like, I mean, I worked for scout and rivals for, a long time and I've done a lot of the recruiting. It seems like it's less for the, for the successful relationships that you're talking about. It's less transactional. Like, does that make sense where it's like 15 years ago, we're going to give you a scholarship and you got to perform and that, and like, that's that. And if not, we're going to kick you out. But what you're saying, it's more about relationships and, and putting more into it than just, Hey, you're here to play football. That's exactly Right. That's exactly right. And that's, I think the, the best programs in the country and the programs I think that man, kids are really excited about being, being a part of, uh, they do look like that, but, but obviously there's, there's a lot of programs that, that look different and, you know, some have had success, some haven't, but I think that there's a certain way that I feel, uh, excited about going to work every day. Um, which is really exciting, obviously to be here at Iowa state and how we do things. Is it a little bit in, do you remember, I don't know if you remember this, and I know that I know enough about your guys' staff that you don't pay a lot of attention to media during the season, but Matt made the comment in a press conference, and it went viral, and he caught a lot of hell for it about, hey, we're we're trying to be the best versions of ourselves. He said something like, Matt Campbell never said we were going to win a Big 12 championship. We want to get better every day. Best version of our – you know Matt's Matt's lines that he uses. Is what we're talking about right – because I, I was trying – because I know Matt well, and I was trying to explain it to listeners and some of the critics of that message. Is this what we're talking about, like what he was saying in that press conference about, yeah, we want to win every game. Like we're, we're trying to win – but it's about more than that. Is that what we're talking about here? That's right. We, we hope that our players' experience here is transformational. We're not looking for just the transactional part of, of college football. And, of course, you know, Coach Campbell, I said it a ton, uh, we're process-driven, we're outcome-aware. We, we know that there's a scoreboard. We know that, man, every single time we're out there, our, our goal is to go and win football games. Um but I think that there's a, a a huge mistake if that's the only focus, that's the only goal, that's the only emphasis. And, um, you know, again, 
the reason that he has that as his core value is because, you know, when, when he went to college and his first experience in college, it, it, it was a program that was like that, that, that coaches were just focused on winning games and, and whether you yeah. were uh, executing in the way to win a game or not. And, and if you weren't, that, that you were left out or forgotten about or, or, you know, viewed in a different way. And I think his vision always for this place is, is that that's not the experience that we plan to give any of our players. And again, the reason that we have coaches that um, obviously I've been here for so long and that have that continuity with one, each other uh, with each other is, is because I think we all agree with that. We all agree that that's what college football should look like. Feels too. I don't think this is strategy for you guys, but I think you have a really keen insight on it being that you've played not that long ago with the way the transfer rules are now. I mean, players have a lot more power if they feel like they're being, I don't know if abused is the right word, but mistreated or not valued. They can just leave like where you didn't really have that option guys of, of your era. Right. So like a culture like this could probably be a competitive advantage as well. That's exactly right. We, we always feel like the, the locker room is our competitive advantage. You know, the culture here is our competitive advantage. And you're right, college football is, is changing, um, you know, by the minute is, is what it seems like. Mm-hmm. But I, I still think that there is a, a huge, you know, factor in, in dealing with 18 to 22-year-olds and, and what they are yearning for um, during their experience in college. And Honestly, I feel like we've got an environment that allows them to to be their best. And I, I think we've we've proven that with a lot of our guys that we've had. And, um, you know, I think we'll continue to do so. All right. So I want to get to some of those guys specifically. But how so you go back to Illinois, you're in some administrative roles, you get on the field uh, and then you're with Lovey Smith for a while. Um, how do you get to know Matt Campbell? How did the Iowa State job come about? Yeah, so I I didn't know Matt. The truth is, when when I had that coaching uh, change happen when I was in college, it was the head coach from Toledo that was coming to. Uh, oh the yeah, of I didn't put that together. Okay. And yeah, my my hope and prayer is that uh, Matt Campbell was coming with him, but but obviously he had the opportunity to stay there and be the head coach. So uh, we were close to crossing crossing paths at that time, and then you know fast forward, really h- how that all got started was. Um, there was a couple coaches on the staff at Iowa State that uh, were at Illinois during the time that I was there as a player uh, that, that really made that connection and, and bridged that gap, I guess. And, um, you know, honestly, the, the year before I got hired, I had sat down and had a breakfast um, at the coaches convention with uh, Skip and Tom Manning and Jeff Myers and a few other guys on the staff at the time. And again, fast forward a year. Uh, later, I, I at least had a couple connections, um, you know, w- within the program at the time where a job came open. Did you ever, did you ever been to Ames or was this like a foreign country to you? You know, I had been to Ames when I was, gosh, my mom found a ticket that we had from a Iowa State, Iowa game. Oh. When I was in probably grade school, really you know, third grade or something like that. That's cool. Um, you know, but I don't feel like I remembered it. The truth is even coming out of high school, Iowa state didn't really recruit Kansas city at the time. No. So I didn't have really any connections there. Um, so man, my, my first experience coming to Ames was coming here as a coach. And uh, yeah, obviously it's been an incredible experience. Okay. So you, you come here and 
boy, you're you're loaded. You're starting to coach David Montgomery, Kenny Nwangu, Brees Hall comes along. We can talk about the receivers here in a minute. Um, what has that experience been like putting what will be three guys into the NFL? Uh, just just right off the bat here, because man, it's been a long time since Iowa State's had, you know this many players playing in the NFL. Um, you've had the opportunity to coach a handful of them. How, how has that impacted you just being around those guys? And then two recruiting other running backs. I feel like, I mean, I'm looking at the thing behind you and we, we see all the great wide receivers in Iowa state history, but we're going to have a hell of a wall of running backs here um, before too long. How, how does that help you? Yeah, there's another room, uh, just like the one I'm sitting in right now that has some, uh, some, some pretty awesome pictures of running backs that have played here, uh, and, and continued to have great careers even after playing here. And so, um, yeah, the, the, obviously the, the players that I've gotten a chance to coach since being here have been, um, incredible in, in a number of different ways. And I, I think as you go through those guys, you know, the, the list that you just rattled off and, you know, you start off with David Montgomery and, and who he was and, and what he was all about. And just, I, I think the, the need for a player like that at that time for Iowa state um, and, and how critical it was to have him in, in this program, just the work ethic that he brought to the table, um, the mentality that he had, the chip on his shoulder that he had. I, I really do feel like he is a guy that laid the foundation for what this program has become all about. And so, um, you know, I, I got to enjoy his last season here and, and honestly, uh, reap the rewards of his development and, and all that coach Campbell had done. And, and obviously, um, coach Manny from the offensive standpoint with him. And it, it, it was, it was awesome. You know, I, I think that things that he taught the players around him, the things that he even taught me as a coach and in the way that he came to work every day was incredible to watch. And then, you know, Kane, I came right after he had, um, you know, was coming off an Achilles injury. Yep. And, and so to see that that guy fight back um, to get back to where he was at and and honestly, just to continue to prove a lot of people wrong. And, and obviously, I feel like he still is doing that same thing no on doubt. the NFL level. Um, I'm a Vikings fan. I'm more – I couldn't be more thrilled. <laughs> no, it's, it's awesome. And, <laughs> yeah. and I, I think his future and, you know, his ability to affect the game, I think that's that's always been the most special part about Kane is that – uh, yeah, Kane doesn't need a lot to to be able to affect a game in a huge way, and he did that here at Iowa State. He's obviously continued to do that for the Vikings, and um, you know it, it's been awesome to see his success. And then obviously Brees, and you know again bringing Brees in, getting a chance to recruit him, knowing him through the whole process, and you know j- just seeing the the journey of his three years here and how much he grew and developed. And, you know, just the impact he made to this place, um, you know, has, has been awesome to watch. And, and again, all three of those guys are, are deserving and have earned, you know, everything that's out in front of them right now. The most impressive thing to me in this era, and we just, we mentioned three guys, I'd like to throw Jairo Brock into the mix as well, because he's been waiting in the wings and ready for his opportunity, is that you had very crowded running back rooms. And and that's a position generally where um, they want the ball, right? You, sure. Yeah, <laughs> skill position guys, they don't tend to be very patient. And you had, I mean, Kane's just phenomenal. You the the way everything that he went through, he never was really the featured guy. He stays with his process or whatever we want to call it. Gets drafted now, is making a ton of money 
and has a long career ahead of him in the NFL. I think Jirel's just as impressive. We haven't seen as much of him, but the fact that he stayed committed when Brees commits, right, and they both come in together, Jirel stays the course, taking a lot of snaps, doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes, was really good on third down for a while. Is that is that even surprising to you that you guys were able to instill that culture in that room? You know, for nobody left, right? They all stayed the course, and they're all going to reap the rewards for it. Yeah, I think it. You know, it, it's surprising because you do. You look around the country, and you you don't see that happening. Yeah, it's and just so, so rare. That's my point. Like, what's exactly the secret right. sauce? That, that that's exactly right. And I think again, the the secret sauce. I mean, if if you were to break it down to its its purest form is is the people that they're around it's it's the fact that um the the leader that david was when he was in the room as the starting running back um was was incredible i mean it, it was incredible to watch the way that he worked every day nobody doubted that he deserved to go out there and be the starter because of how he worked now because he was the starter he didn't then act in a different way or yeah. or treat people in a different way. I, I think his ability to um, lift up others around him uh, w- was unique and was special. And again, it, it allowed that room, I think, to even have a foundation that that was the standard. And so even as Brees came in as a young guy and start and, and ended up being the starter by the end of his freshman year, um, you know, I think he approached it in those same ways. And uh, again, th- those other guys, the, the cool part about that running back room is that they all have have worked their tail off in practice and although one guy might reap the rewards of you know getting to score uh more touchdowns on a saturday or or getting um you know getting getting the chance to be the featured back or the featured player those guys have all continued to contribute through that whether it's on special teams whether it's in third down packages and so i think Mm -hmm. they are aware of of the impact that they're making on our football team and i think when you have that um, you know, as a football team in general, when you feel like, man, you're, you're making an impact and, and that impact is valued throughout the football program. I think it is a huge difference. Um, you know, and I think those guys feel that selfishly, very selfishly. I wish we would have had Brees against Clemson. However, it was cool to see Jirel go out there and get a start like that in such a big spot it, that young man. I, it's really impressive how he's just kept grinding and now he's going to get his opportunity that's, that's got to be neat for you to see as his coach yeah it is and and honestly it was huge for him in that tcu game you know he pops oh, off the big point really yeah. get us started and um you know the way that he played in that clemson game honestly we were just watching cut-ups uh you know earlier this morning of of some of that clemson game and and honestly it, it was one of those games that they they were really good at taking away the run and some of the runs that he had were as good of runs as we had on the football season um, you know, that, that honestly, man, they might've gone for four or five yards, six yards. Um, but they, they were big runs for us. And so I'm excited for him and, you know, excited about the work that he's put in. And, and honestly, the, the other young guys in that room, um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited for those guys to, to get this opportunity of, of what's in front of them. And, and they've been working to, towards it. Called it the first time I saw him that Deion Silas will be a crowd favorite for years to come. People love yeah, him. <laughs> he, he uh, he's easy to love. You know, I think even even my son crew is is like that's that happens to be one of his favorite guys. And, and everybody, crew, Nate, crew everybody, he's everybody's he's everybody's favorite player. I'm telling you, that's right. It, it, well, if you're around Dion and, and you don't have to be around him long, um, you know, he's easy to love. And, and he's got that 
you know, that juice and that just that infectious personality that you love to have. And we honestly, we've got a lot of players that are like that. And that's, that's honestly for someone like me, that was, that's what makes coming to work. So, um, so enjoyable as guys like that. So I want to go back to Brees for a minute. Cause you, you were integral in his recruitment. He's from down in the, in the Kansas area. Um, I'll never forget Matt telling me at one point, and I don't remember, I think it was during fall camp of his freshman year. And I I don't remember the scenario where we were, but he told me, he goes, we have the best running back in the country. And I thought like, well, that's a borderline arrogant thing to say, Matt. You've <laughs> This guy just got here. The reason I point that out is, oh, I know what it was because it was when everybody was, uh, it was a controversy because he was wearing Troy Davis's number, right? And Matt was very like, he had had his guy's back, which I appreciated. Um, The reason I bring that up is we, I got a little bit of that with Jalen Noel last year. Not that he's the best wide receiver in the country, but so many of you guys were like, ah, like the first time you laid eyes on him, this kid's the real deal. This kid's going to be great. We all started seeing that like a skill position guy, like a wide receiver or running back. When do you guys know, okay, this dude's got it like that. Cause it seemed like that was the case with David too. I remember media day that year, Mike Warren was just coming off of a really good season. And I'm hearing like, yeah, he, uh, this Montgomery might start. And I'm like, how? And sure enough, like, you know, three years later, he's in the NFL. When is that moment like, oh, something clicks where you're like, this guy's going to be a total lit factor really early in his career? Yeah, I think it's probably somewhere in that time frame of fall camp that you okay. really get to see those guys and, and see their consistency day in and day out. And honestly, I feel like it's in a, a scrimmage setting where, you know, early on and in, in, man, you're a freshman in college and you're trying to figure out the plays and the formations and all that you have to do. And so, uh, you know, there's a lot of thinking going on. I remember when Brees got here in, in the spring, really, um, where he should have been a senior in high school. He was a mid-year guy that came early and you can tell he, he's trying to figure it out. But but at some point, you know, they get in some kind of scrimmage setting and they they just kind of let go and they start playing. And I remember that same day, I'm sure it was sometime after Brees had one of those scrimmages that it was like, this guy has the ability to go and do whatever he wants. And, you know, even, even though honestly it took him a few games to kind of get that confidence and, and just that ability to do it on a, on a game field, um, you knew he had it in him. And, and so I think it's probably the same thing that, you know, we saw in, in Jalen is that, you know, at, at whatever point, man, he, he might have screwed up a player, man, he might. But, you know, then the ball got in his hands or then he just ran a route trying to win a one on one. And and you see some ability of, of guys. And um, I think that there's something that is is just different about guys that, that have the ability to go win, have the ability to go and do something that, boy, not not a lot of guys are able to do. Jalen, I don't know him well at all, but he seems very poised to me. Like he doesn't seem like he gets rattled very much is that accurate he is poised uh he, he's a really hard worker he's smart um you know and honestly he's had a great leader to learn from and xavier hutchinson yeah uh, which which has allowed him i think to um to even speed up his growth and so uh it, it's been fun to work with him again because he does he comes to the building every day with the same consistent mentality and attitude towards you know what he's trying to get accomplished 
established. And, you know, we, we put them in a bunch of different positions and, and spots last year. Um, and I, I think the the amount of, you know, just, just knowledge that he gained from 13 games and, and playing them the way he had to play them last year uh, will only help him uh, coming up. So let's talk about Hutchison. What a um, nice surprise to get him back another year. Amen. I mean, that's, Amen. that's phenomenal. Like he is it, one of my favorite, I was a big DMX fan. Okay. I, I like hip hop. And um, every time he gets a big play, I always tweet out a DMX, a X going to give it to you. And, um, and I'm hoping that they'll like <laughs> play that in the stadium. Thank you. He makes a, Thank you. He, maybe me and you can try to work <laughs> to make that happen, but tell me I, about uh, him. I love this kid. He's one of my all time favorites. He hadn't been here forever, obviously a Juco, but he, what, what's he like behind the scenes? Cause he seems there's certain guys when you listen to him in an interview or when you interview him and they'll look you in the eye a certain way, like he just seems so bright. I love this kid. Yeah. I, again, he's one of those guys, you know, we talked about Deion Silas earlier, but he, he's got a lot of juice and energy and that he just lights up a room when he's in it. Um, the, the thing that makes Xavier special uh, it, to me is the way that he practices that, you know, as a, as a receiver, you know, as a guy that, you know, a lot of times you're going to be playing away from the ball. Um, you're, you're not getting the ball every play throughout the course of practice, but I think his ability to practice hard allows him uh, to go and be really, really special in those critical moments for us. You know, I think he's a guy, he's as good of a receiver with the ball in his hands and, and doing things after he has the ball in his hands that than I've ever been around. You know, th there's running backs that obviously are like that and that have the ability to break tackles and make guys miss, but um, you know, he's just got a competitive spirit about him uh, that, Again, the way that he practices, it carries over to the game field. And so um, it's been awesome working with him. And, and you're exactly right. We're really excited to, to get a chance to work with him for another year um, to get him back here. And, and honestly, his leadership and, and all that he's brought to the table since being here. My first thought, too, was one, I'm really glad he's coming back again selfishly. But two, boy, it makes life easier breaking in a new quarterback, too, with a guy like that. No doubt. No doubt. Having somebody that has, um, you know, just experience and, you know, has, has been through the fire and somebody that has been relied upon in, in critical moments. I think that is it does give comfort to a new quarterback. It does give comfort to, um, you know, our offense in general, because we've we've seen him make a ton of plays in a ton of different ways. And, you know, that there's times that, you know, you you think that there's no way and, and he finds a way to do it. And so um, having a guy like that, it does give you a lot of confidence. Okay. So I'm kind of a, like you, I'm a Matt Campbell disciple in the world of football. Uh, the whole players formation plays thing. I've heard about this for years now. All right. Well, we're losing an all, a couple of all big 12 tight ends. So we got to break some new guys in here. Um, we're losing the best running back in college football. My question to you is, I know that the offense and stuff is still being tweaked. It's only February 17th, but do running backs and wide receivers potentially have a new role? Like, um, how is this working for you in the offseason? I'm sure there's some very capable guys at tight end, but they're not Charlie Kolar and Chase Allen right off the bat. Maybe spread it out a little bit more than you have not having two tight ends in there all the time. Does that... How has your offseason look as far as getting your guys prepared for 
you know, potential changes as, as small as they might be. Yeah, we're really excited about the guys that, that we have coming back. And honestly, it is an exciting time as a coach to see who does step up to answer those exact questions that, that you know, that you just asked. And I think, you know, Coach Campbell said it a couple of days ago in a team meeting is, is that um, we'll find out. You know, I, I think that's the okay. best part is that we're going to put you in position to find out. And, yeah, I would love to sit here and say, um, man, here's the five guys that are going to step up and, and do that. But uh, football has a, a, a unique way of, um, you know, presenting opportunities for guys to step up and, and really seeing in the offseason. And then, honestly, those are the guys that we'll end up trusting in and, and relying on during the season. And so it is a great opportunity. And we probably sitting here today not having had one spring practice um, we probably can't give you a, a real answer to, yeah. man, who are those guys and what's that going to look like? And I'm interested in, I'm actually, I've covered spring football for like 18 years now. Last year was the most boring spring I've ever covered. Cause I knew every starter basically like it, there just wasn't, I'm the guy who's like, all right, uh, let's do a in-depth on like the backup linebackers, right? Like that's me. Like how are these recruits looking? That's the type of stuff I like to do. This seems like it's really exciting though. Like it's a different Last year was great. We loved all those guys. Is it a different like challenge as a coach now where it's like, all right, well, instead of 20 starters coming back, now we have 10. Um, everybody's going to doubt us now. Uh, I just saw a thing like you guys have like the third smallest amount of production coming back in the country next year as far as the two deep go, which is like it feels like a Matt Campbell type of challenge to me like that Matt would really eat this up. How are you approaching that going into the spring? Yeah, that is a real challenge of knowing that we did have a lot of experience that, that walked out of the door. And I think it, it's been, you know, already, I think you've seen players that may not have had that experience or, or may not have been a starter or, or a contributor. You've already seen those guys with a different, maybe look in their eye and, and mm -hmm. a different approach to how they're doing things. And so that's obviously been exciting. And then as, as coaches, you're exactly right. It, it, it makes it really exciting for this spring. It makes it really exciting going into the summer and even into fall camp that you've got a lot of development that has to happen and has to occur. And that's at every position. And, and so I think we're looking forward to the challenge and, you know, we, you're right. Like it, it is fun to play with a little bit of chip on your shoulder and know that, um, man, you probably do have people doubting you out there. You probably do have people that are questioning what exactly it'll look like. But, uh, man, again, I like our locker room. Uh, up against anybody's so I'm, yeah. I'm i'm excited for it does it like for the fans out there how how different if at all maybe not at all will this spring be as far as like how the days are set up compared to last year where you have all you have a lot more young guys you're a lot younger this year do it will it be organized differently uh, I, th I do think our practice and, and the way that we'll go about practices this spring will be a little bit different and, you know, for a couple of different reasons. Number one, I think just where we're at in, in COVID and obviously last year where we were at in COVID. And so yeah, okay. um, that, that still did present some challenges just with, with meeting space and with how we're doing things on the field. Um, you know, so I, I think we're all, uh, we all feel really good about it, at least where we're at as a program with that. Um, but I do think we will give those guys opportunities to go and compete uh, probably more than, than even what we did last, last spring and, and compete in ways that put them in game like environments, um, you know, maybe even earlier and, and more often than what we typically would have done, which, which will be great. We'll, we'll get to see, you know, 
you get to see the the guy who was a backup receiver uh, for the last two years have to step up on a third down and and make a play. You'll get to see the guy who has been a um, safety who's played, you know, a few reps who, man, it, it, it might be on him with, with the game on the line down in the red zone. And we'll, we'll see those guys, I think, in more of those environments this spring probably than we, we did last year. All right, so I've done um, Tyson. Uh, I've had Skip on before. Uh, these guys are just nuts about Cleveland stuff. Are you like a Chiefs fan? Like, do you rub it? In? Like, how? I'm just trying to get the inner workings of the office right as far as the trash talk goes. Like, you're not a Cleveland guy, are you? I'm not a Cleveland okay, guy. Thank you, no. thank you. <laughs> you a Chiefs fan? I am a Chiefs fan. You know, and it. Uh, I now I will say the you mentioned Skip, and I'm a Chiefs fan, not in the same way that. Skip is a Browns fan. You Skip's know? out of control. And I know he's going to listen to this. He's going to hear it. He's, he's completely out of control. No, that's exactly right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, on a, on a Monday, if the Chiefs lose, I'm, I'm able to operate and, and to work <laughs> and to go about my day. I, I don't know if Skip could say the same. Um, but, no, it's, it's obviously um, – it's been fun watching, you know, that organization in the last uh, few years and, and obviously since drafting um, – you know, Patrick Mahomes and, and what yeah. he's done and what they've been able to do. And it's been fun to watch. What about the Royals? Was that big for you when they won the World Series? It, it was exciting for me. Now, like growing up as a Royals fan, you know, that that brutal. was probably challenging to realistically say. I, I like the Royals because, you know, they had $7 tickets that you could get into a game and get yeah. cheap hot dogs. And we used to go as, you know, high school kids to, to games and stuff. But I think to see their success and and what's gone on um, since leaving Kansas city has, has been fun to, to watch from afar. But um, yeah, to say that I was a diehard Royals fan growing up, that's, that's probably not the truth. I mean, I grew up an hour and a half from there. So this, like I, I was a Royals fan, but I also cheered for the Braves because they were on TV all the time. And it, it, it really wasn't any fun to be a Royals fan. Like it's exactly right. Like you knew that they were going to lose a hundred plus games every year and they weren't even trying to win. Like when we were kids, like that's the problem. Like, I don't know how anybody was like a diehard back in the nineties. Like it'd be, it's impossible. Yeah. If they told you that they're probably lying to you. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. All right, brother. Well, I appreciate your time. Uh, this has been fun uh, getting everybody to get to know you. Uh, we'll do this again sometime if you're, if you're willing. All right. Definitely. I appreciate you having me on. All right.